Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Welcome. It is your weekend managing a good podcast. This is your host, Gabe Lesra, and I'm joined uh, by my man, Keon Sobani. Keon, uh, Slanja. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Uh, I guess that was I, yesterday, but whatever. I think I think mine was probably a bit tamer than yours. I was um, putting my son to sleep, and that was the, the height. That was the peak of my yeah. St. Patty's Day. I can I can only imagine that like putting your child to sleep is like right after that is not the moment you want to go out and drink a bunch of Guinness. <laughs> no, Man, it's, it was still it was it was probably not quite the gong show that you went through. No, not exactly. But you know what? Uh, it's a fun you know fun silly holiday that I've celebrated all over the world at this point, and it's one of those that I just lean into. Like it's it's the kind of thing that can get super duper annoying, and I get that people don't like it, but like. If you just lean in, like it's pretty fun. <laughs> it's like drinking good stout and you know yelling about Ireland, which is fun because I'm not Irish at all. Like I'm the least Irish person, <laughs> well not the least, but like extremely not Irish. Um, but uh, yeah, so it rules. Let's be and, clear: um, most people who celebrate this are not Irish. That's a good point. It's because they're not that many Irish people, and this is a really like broadly celebrated <laughs> holiday. So, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling tired. I'm fine. I mean, look, I'm a little hungover, but not so bad. Like it, it, it could have been, it could have been definitely worse. Um, so uh, as it was the year that I celebrated in in Cadiz, where uh, my friend Josh, uh, shout out. I don't know if he listens to the show. I think he does sometimes. Um, Josh and I were drinking on the beach in the south of Spain. It was very cool. Uh, that really? that night, very hungover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what did, was anyone else celebrating it? Cadiz yeah, is a had, small um, place. Yeah, I mean, there was like two expat bars, and we didn't normally go to these expat bars that much. But we went that night to the kind of expaty Irish bar, mm-hmm. and yeah, they had their whole thing. Like they had like Guinness hats that they were giving people and <laughs> green beer. I mean, the the real mistake people make is trying to drink uh, green Guinness because that shit's just black. It's not going to turn green. It doesn't turn green. People need to stop <laughs> that. Um, uh, can okay. I just use this opportunity to say I love Cadiz? Cadiz is awesome, man. Yeah. And, you know, they're actually towards the top of the table in Segunda. Yeah. I think they're, they're, good. they're coming up next year. You think so? I oh, think so. man, that'd be so cool. I think so. I'm a huge Cadiz fan. And so far, has never been a problem in terms of my rooting interest, except for that one year where we um, where Madrid got eliminated oh, by Chev. Cadiz because of the Cherry Chev shit. Take one of the standings. They're third. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're towards the top. Yeah. They have a they have a shot. They they're in with a shout. Just keep keep it yeah. keep it up. Boys. They're five I'm points clear fan. too, with yeah. the game in hand. Yeah, 
They have a game in hand too. Yeah, very possible. It's exciting. It's exciting. <laughs> it would be really cool to have them up. This is not why people are tuning into this show, though. So, no. uh, sorry everyone, but just wanted to have a little bit of a digression there because I mean, Madrid played you know sort of a game that's kind of like the sh- the way the show has started, which is just totally random and <laughs> really fun. I mean, like it, to be to be clear, like Madrid wins. Six to three against Corona at the Bernabeu, emulating some of these old classic Real Madrid teams, like the Di Stefano Madrid team that won the final of the European Cup by like six to four or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I we haven't felt like that for uh, with supporting Real Madrid in this season, like the first half of the season. Then 2018, we've had a bunch of these games where yeah. we outperform our expected goals, which today they were. 3.5, we hit 6. Even Girona, I mean, they they outperformed their expected goals. I mean, a 9-goal thriller was fun for us, fun for... Pablo Machin, I think, kind of like hinted it was kind of fun for them, even though they lost, because scoring 3 goals at the Bernabeu is, is not common at yeah. all. Um, it just doesn't yeah, happen it's... unless you're Barcelona <laughs> generally. And um, I was interested, Gabe, in how they would set up, because generally they've had a consistent yeah. scheme where they go 3-4-3, uh, and a bunch of, like, Diego and I were asked about Girona a couple weeks ago on the Churros y Tacticas podcast, and we kind of broke it down a little bit on why they've been so successful. And they have this really good defensively compact scheme and a lot of good individually intelligent players who've bought into the system. Everyone from Mafeo to Porto, who's been in Revelations, to Ani's been on fire. Um, and then you have really solid players like Pere Pons and Mojica. And I... And we were all kind of surprised why they deviated from that and played a really high line at the Camp Nou. And after the game, Machin basically said, uh, we wanted to play our game, and if we lose, so be it. But I was like, that's not your game. You just That's not your game, up. though, right. Yeah. And so I was wondering what he would do in another big game here. And he kind of went back to playing how yeah. they usually do, which was, which was good. But equally, or unfortunately for them, Real Madrid were, were firing today. Yeah. And apart from that setback in the first half where they conceded and they kind of regressed a bit, they looked comfortable, they looked incisive, they looked very um, quick in the final third, very direct, very vertical, a lot of movement in the final third off the ball. And, and a lot of like those yeah. little um, uh, slip through balls that, that that they were just finding that space to, to put someone through yeah. on goal. Like it was these it's the kind of stuff that Kroos does so well, but also like Benzema d- did it really well. I mean, Kovacic, like just a lot of different players stepping up to drop these balls and like not tons of you know, flank movement or when it was, it would be cut cut back in or whatever. Uh, and and a lot of danger coming through these kind of balls that everyone likes to see, which are these balls that release a player wide open in space. Yeah, and they and they hit them consistently. Like yeah, and it was interesting. Like there was no um, sometimes where I'm just kind of just recycle possession, and this really felt like there was a different purpose to it, where they kept on looking forward, kept on looking vertical, and everyone from Kroos and Kovacic. Both great, but if you were asking me, I thought Kroos was the standout in this game apart from Ronaldo. Just, I thought he was great all over the pitch, had the most touches, 112. Yeah. Very involved, good defensively, put some good interventions in, uh, and always looking forward. And un- unfortunately for him, he also missed an assist because Vasquez was incorrectly called offside. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. That, was, and that, that was, was infuriating. Brilliantly disguised because it looked like he was about to fire it. And then he just holds it for a second, the defense so- shifts, and then he plays it. This was like a vintage Cruz performance, and 
a bit kind of an outlier in terms of where he usually plays in this team in a 4-3-3 because it was a double pivot of sorts and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit but um, it's it was also a bit deeper than he usually plays you look at his heat map he played quite deep um, you know in the absence of, of, of another anchor in the team uh, and a third central midfielder but I thought he was brilliant he like yeah to me he was the standout yeah, I, I I loved his performance. Really, really impressive, fun stuff. And I, uh, I mean, it's good to see him bounce back because he didn't look as good in the previous match. Um, you know, just the he, coming back from an injury, he'd been a little bit you know squeamish, a little struggling, and to come back with this kind of performance, it's actually really, really, really you know confidence booster for me watching him going forward. Yeah, and um, it it helped because everyone he was picking out was also in form. Yeah, it did. Uh, and, I mean, we should probably talk a little bit about that that aspect of it. Zidane rolling out a, you know, kind of the same lineup that he's been, you know, with a couple of you know, additions, but kind of the, the same lineup that he'd been using that had been working so well. And once again, you know, that Asensio, Vasquez, uh, Benzema, Ronaldo up, you know, front four, basically, uh, worked really well. It did. And I think it was interesting because... When you look at it on paper, you're like, okay, this is a very clear 4-4-2. Vasquez on the right, Asensio on the left, Ronaldo and Benzema up top. You see it unfold, and then you check the heat maps later, which confirms it, that Asensio really wasn't on the left at all. He was mostly central. Yeah. Um, and also kind of roaming a little bit. And mostly Ronaldo went to the left. And that's his preferred position, obviously, because he can cut in and he had some really nice shots. And he was also able to latch onto through balls because he was also roaming a bit. And Benzema mostly played centrally, so it was almost like um, it was almost just basically Asensio down the middle, Vasquez on the right, Ronaldo on the left, and then Benzema drifting um, centrally. So, but it worked. It worked really well. Everyone, everyone played well offensively. Um, Asensio and Vasquez maybe they theirs get their performances kind of get lost a little bit, only because everybody else had uh, really great games. Yeah, um, yeah, and by everybody, I mostly mean Kroos and Ronaldo. But Asensio also, I thought he was very involved in the first half. Especially, he looked really good. He looked, um, he looked sharp. And Vasquez just kind of does his thing. He he, he works hard on the flank. Um, helped Carvajal battle Mojica a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, he's yeah. one of these unbelievably consistent players. And like, obviously, his 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 <clears throat> performances have improved. But he is just one of these guys that you know exactly what you're going to get. It, within some variable range, whenever you roll him out there, there's very le- like in my view, like the worst performance you get from him is one where he's sort of invisible because he's like the balls and is on his side of the pitch. But like the the difference between that and like he that's actually not such a bad performance when you think about it. But like what he, the the form he's been in is incredible. I mean like he's just been been you know scoring and assisting just constantly since. I mean going sorry, I knocked over a bunch of papers. Going back to my. <laughs> Uh, going back to the Real Sociedad game um, where Madrid won, uh, he's been doing great. And it's hard to, to – I think he's actually making it hard on Zidane to go to a different player. I mean look at the subs that came in. It was a fascinating game for subs too, right? Because Bale, Modric, and Isco came on to create what was like a weird ersatz version of the uh, <laughs> kind of uh, Onze de Gala from last year. I think with Vasquez is that – we generally recognize him as a very consistent, reliable player. He's like he's like the nacho of the midfield. Like, doesn't complain, comes in when he's needed, 
does not want to go to another club and play more because he loves the club. Um, and I think what, apart from this spell he went through, I guess towards the, in the first half of the season where he, where everyone was kind of ragging on Zidane because Vasquez would come in and always be a guaranteed sub off the bench. And he wasn't that great in that little stretch of games in at the end of 2017, which, by the way, almost no one in the team was playing well at that point, um, starter, reserve, or otherwise. But Vasquez was getting a lot of heat because he was always the guy off the bench, and he wasn't playing particularly well either, and he wasn't helping much, and he was kind of running into players. But apart from that chunk, I think in the last two seasons now, um, he's he's been a very reliable performer. Yeah, yeah I'm I mean, more than two seasons, I guess. This you bring up season, yeah. you bring up Nacho, and I think that's that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about um, getting into this because so obviously, look, obviously we're both big fans of Nacho, blah blah blah. But I, I did think that one of the areas of concern in this match was Madrid just looked absolutely atrocious defending set pieces, mm-hmm. and on I mean, if not. Uh, to at least the last goal, Nacho was the guilty party uh, when it came to Madrid's issues with that. And it's one of his weaker areas is defending the ball in the air. It's why um, Sergio Ramos is such a big upgrade. Uh, but you've got to feel like he's got to do better on, especially on that last goal where uh, he he was just ball watching and his guy jumped up uh, and knocked that ball in and from the corner. And it was just... I mean, the first goal that um, that 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 Girona scored, right, was a much like much more forgivable because they ran a set piece play. Basically, you saw some picks going on. Then Stuani like rushed around. Yeah, I, uh, I thought I was watching Carvajal a basketball game. Him. There was like screens yeah. and picks. Carvajal gets gets caught on a on a, on a pick and yeah. roll. It roll it ruled that and look like like let's be clear. Madrid's first goal that was absolutely also a set like a set play like it looked like an inbounds play yeah. if you saw it like it was uh, a short corner drop back to the original taker who had run on side ronaldo gets a couple of picks uh at, and he's looking like he is uh is just going to jog back and then he just whips around and then that ball is just right at his feet it was perfect yeah it was it was a just a really gorgeously executed piece of of playmaking and the 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 first goal for Hirona was very similar it was like pretty cool to see you know these teams execute that kind of stuff because a lot of times with real madrid like you get the sense that this team is just like rolling out a bunch of really awesome players and watching them run, which obviously is not really true. But like it's so clearly you can see Zidane's hand when you have goals like that. Yeah, and unfortunately, it was unfortunate that 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 fell to Stuani, and that was that play was basically ran for Stuani, who was dead leaving that situation. Um, yeah. But I think you're right. I think the difference, I guess, between the third goal conceded where Nacho doesn't just just is oblivious or doesn't even think I mean it's a corner kick and you're supposed to be marking or defending yeah. the space or something and I, it just feels like it was weird that he just didn't didn't even click it didn't even click for him but the difference between that and the first two goals I guess it was that the first one it's not like Real Madrid didn't try and I think possibly unfortunate because Carvajal just can't get there the second one he just can't do anything because Stuani just outpowers and outmuscles and just sleeps over him the right. third goal was more preventable in that sense because Nacho had time and should have had the awareness to to at least make a leap, at least put a body on him, on Juanpe, um, but he didn't. Yeah. Possibly, did. possibly um, an under-talked-about subject, actually, as Nacho hasn't been in great form in the last couple months. 
Um, yeah. And we're talking about Nacho doesn't have many weaknesses. Um, he's very reliable, very consistent servant of the club. His one weakness is definitely his aerial ability. We saw it against Bayern last season. Um, I, I think, obviously, you're always going to hope that Ramos and Bayern are healthy. But, um, I mean, we kind of knew. And this is what we, we, we were always scared. Like, what would happen if Vallejo and Nacho were paired together in, in, a, in a likely scenario this season due to injuries and suspensions? And we actually saw that happen, too, where, like, they were paired together and it looked shaky for that reason because no. neither of them are, are strong in the air. Um, but you're right. Yeah. I, I know. I mean, that was luckily, the, Real Madrid just steamrolled anyway, so it didn't really yeah, matter. Yeah, it didn't really matter. And then the other one was obviously like after Madrid's just the whole game had this je ne sais quoi of like just Madrid's going to score tons of goals. Like even yeah. when you went into halftime at one one, it just felt it's that feeling that I think has finally come back, Ken, where you just kind of know and you're not too worried about the result. <laughs> Um, which we, I really didn't feel that at all at the beginning of the season with this club. And now I'm back on being like, yeah, this will be okay. But it was, it did feel like the defense coasted a little bit, especially, I mean, Baran could have gifted Girona yeah. two goals just yeah. by boneheaded, terrible moves. Like he got absolutely bailed out by, uh, um, by Kaler when he, he literally just made like what would have been a pretty good, like pass to a striker. When he when he tried to pass back to Kaler, and it was just really lucky that Kaler you know got a save because otherwise like that's that's a that's an unbelievably and stupid goal. And it's funny because apart from those two plays, he actually had a really good game. But then <laughs> then those like one or two plays just kind of um, dampened his performance. He was really good, especially in the first half. I thought he was really good, like just on the ball and his presence. And he's such a good like sweeping type uh defender because of his speed right and, and his uh, ability to read the game i mean he was even pushing forward amazingly but you know it was really cool to see like whenever Hirona seemed like they were going to get a, a break you just get reminded of like the the absolute world-class quality of baran in that he could just absolutely run down every single person it, it just got you this feeling that he was the fastest person out there and they were never going to beat him in a foot race so there was never a feeling like oh shoot maybe they're going to get a breakaway because he was always back there. Here's the good news. These mistakes are far more likely to happen in a nine-goal thriller in La Liga than in a in a big Champions League game where you hope to be focused yeah. for 90 minutes. Right. And obviously, um, you know, Madrid ha- <clears throat> have Juve. So, I mean, I think you, you mentioned that, right? But uh, <clears throat> that's going to be a totally different thing. So hopefully, you know, the, the defense clues in by then. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I think we're confident they will just based on precedence and yeah. Ramos and Varane playing good in big games generally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, hopefully Ramos exercises a little bit more like discretion when he's like playing defense for Real Madrid than when he's choosing his outfits to go out for the night. But otherwise, and, yeah. And possibly even maybe using the bathroom at halftime just in case. Yeah, that... Yeah. <laughs> That ruled. I forgot about that. By the way, you weren't on that post game podcast. I was telling yeah. Matt, I was like, I didn't even know that he was off the field. Like this is, this is how like unexpected the whole thing was. Because when has that ever happened where a player just leaves and goes to the bathroom, and then you're like, wow, Real Madrid is conceding a lot of chances on the counter here. Why do they look shorthanded? Like, and then we don't realize on? until after the game that this actually happened. <laughs> it's because he was in the bathroom. We had to pee. It's so dumb. I I can't really believe that. Like. It's it's pretty amazing. Also, I mean, like there are all these famous examples of 
I mean, the most famous example of anything like that happening was uh, the England guy who was ill and then like uh, he like, shit himself on the pitch in the World Cup. Well, and uh, yeah, really famous. It was amazing. But was that Gary Lineker? Are you oh, kidding yeah. me? Oh, yeah. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, way. The guy that shit himself and then like scooted around like a dog is the same like guy who's doing all the. 100%, the pundit shit right 100%. now. Go read his. Go read the replies to like every, and anything he, he tweets, and it's like videos of that. And <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you know what's funny? So cool. If you if you watch the video of the moment that Ramos tells the referee he's leaving to go to the bathroom, he actually doesn't tell a single one of his teammates that he's leaving. He just leaves and he just runs off. And his teammates actually are probably wondering why. Where is Ramos? And it's um, it's a real <laughs> moment. That's amazing. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really deal with that. It's too funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll also say uh, Carvajal had his work cut out for him today. That's another aspect of this match that I wanted to mention before we went to, uh, into into questions because uh, Mojica, Mo, Mojica, um, he's Portuguese, right? Um, anyways, regardless. Col- uh, I think he's Colombian. Colombian, no, so Mojica. Um yeah, he was really good, and he was really running, putting Carvajal through the paces today. And and Carvajal was not very happy that he was having to deal with that. Yeah, I think, um, I think, he, well, yeah, actually, that was kind of a fun and heated duel between the two. But I think, and I think Carvajal generally dealt well, but I think he had a rough game in general because some of the key defensive moments were on him. Um, the first goal was an unnecessary foul, you could argue, on Porto, and then he loses Stuani at the first goal. The second goal, Stuani just bullies him, and then, um, and basically that's what he'll be remembered for. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't think yep. he was generally bad, but like he definitely did have moments where you're wondering, um, you're wondering like what what he's thinking there. Yeah. I mean, it it did just feel like one of those games from the defense where they were weren't entirely clicked in, and that's partially to do with the fact that Madrid was really clicking on offense. So the defense I didn't feel like, oh, look at the Liga game, like they they let their minds wander a little bit, or you know, whatever, right? Like because even Marcelo, I, I felt like the only the players that had a really bad game from Madrid were the defenders, like, and they didn't have bad games, bad games, but they were the ones that everyone else basically on the pitch I had no problem with, but with the defenders. Like there were aspects of each one of their performances that 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 were that were issues. Like even Marcelo, um, you know, didn't get back quite as well as like I would have wanted him to. Though I thought he was probably, um, you know, he was still very good. Also, he's awesome. He rules. Yeah. No, I think I think you're generally right. I think um, the the talking points in this game will be kind of from the front six. Yeah. Um, and Forgettable game from the defense, but uh, yeah. absolutely memorable from that front six. But just incredible. I mean, and we're gonna we're gonna answer your questions on this, but just stuff to say. It's just it's hard to overstate how lucky we are that um, Cristiano Ronaldo is on this team. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that we always go so long without bringing up his name, just because even though he's always like the one guy we should be talking about, and I think it's just because we're desensitized to how great he is and there's only so much you can say about everything he does it's like wow he's just he's just unbelievable and that right. is it is what it is like he's just <laughs> yeah it is it, yeah. i mean like there's not that much more in it really like 
he's going to do that. I mean, like, in the, the, you see the prediction that he made. I forgot in November he was like, Messi had 11 goals. He had one. And he was like, I'm going to win the Pichichi. And yeah. we kind of laughed about it. But, like, he made he, a bet he with his might. Teammates. He might. Like, he, he's only three goals behind him. Messi yeah. is, like, uh, 26. Cristiano is 23, I think. Like, that's insane. Yeah. I think it's 25 and 22. But the fact that he's... I mean, it. the stunning thing is not... Uh, is not so much the number itself because you, you're going to look at that like in 10 years from now and be like, oh, he scored this many goals. Yeah. The stunning thing is that he, he flips the switch uh, yeah. at this time of year like he did last year. And I mean, last year, his his start to the season was much better than this one. But it, I think it's just like we all joked about it during his slump, but we were like half joking because we were hoping that we were right when we say, well, he's probably going to turn this around and everything we're going to say about his decline is completely will be completely debunked and lo and behold this is it yeah like check it out like this and we were also saying it because like he was missing really high expected goals the chances that yeah. really did more come down to like a sense of just bad luck or or whatever like like all the different times he hit the post and all that stuff like right. you know and and we would say look he had a great game he was being really incisive cutting in and just hit, the shots weren't falling and great players even the best in the world do go through uh slumps and this thank god was just a kind of extended slump from cristiano that combined like him forcing it a little bit with uh uh with bad luck what i loved about this game it wasn't just the fact that it was four goals and assists which is ridiculous in, in its in its own right that's that's those are crazy numbers for a single game um by the way this four goals today i think it matched his entire output from the first half of the season or something ridiculous like that in one game, uh, but he was so involved. Like ten shots is a crazy amount of shots in the game. Seven of them were on target. Um, three key passes. He was he even dropped deep quite a bit in this game and and got a lot of touches on the ball. So the best version of Ronaldo was the one that's involved and not just someone who pops up. I mean, the one who pops up is great too. Like the one in Paris, who, in my opinion, he didn't have. I wrote about this a little bit in my Raúl article last week. I think the and I brought it up because Ronaldo in that game, he kind of exemplified that he doesn't need to mm-hmm. have a good game to completely change the outcome of the game and pop up and score a great goal. But in this game, it was like he was everywhere. It wasn't just one moment. It wasn't just the goals. It wasn't just the assists. He was a he was a massive leader, like overall. Yeah, he was incredible. It just it's it's like, uh, and I think maybe it's worth at this point going into. Um, some of our questions we have basically you know tons of ronaldo questions and this i mean i don't have much more like off the top of my head that i wanted to write down because really like with a game like this where ronaldo's creating five goals right four that he scored himself one of the assists like yeah (laughs) there's not much from a notepad that i mean like we kind of hit my topics because i wanted to talk about the defense i like the kind of you know way that lucas vazquez isn't playing and then just basically this game was just Ronaldo killing it and he just absolutely murdered it he's an incredible player and we're really lucky really lucky to have him there's no, uh, yeah I have, I have nothing to add to that it's truth man it's he's he's on another he's an alien he's completely like from a different planet yeah uh so let's jump into some of these questions because I mean we're just gonna get to say the same stuff again <laughs> yeah. uh so Nick DeStefani asked us um uh, is Cristiano the biggest Band-Aid of all time? What I mean by this is, does Ronaldo's sheer brilliance hide a plethora of other team issues? 
I'm terrified the second he stops firing, we're also screwed. Example, pre-2018 output, team record, and post-2018 uh, output and team record. Um, so, I mean, like, he is a huge Band-Aid. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're screwed. I think Madrid's done a really good job of building a really deep squad. Yeah, I think... Stops firing. Um, do you mean like if he's still playing? I, is, I think this is the questions I'd ask Nick, right? Like if you mean he stops firing, is that Madrid is still rolling him out there, but he is not scoring and not really aiding to the team? That does hurt the team. Yeah. But if you mean like uh, a world where Real Madrid doesn't have Cristiano Ronaldo, which is eventually going to happen, even if he he does play till he's forty five, like eventually he's going to have to stop. Uh, then yeah, actually, it, it's a different game than suddenly where you're creating a different attacking mix and have different people expected to step up and score. I think, um, yeah, if he if he stops finishing and he's not, it doesn't become as efficient. It it's a massive uh, crutch in the team because um, basically we have the sample size of early in the season where that exact situation was happening because. Um, you know, it's funny. If this happens last year, it might not be as detrimental because um, the team kind of overall was in better form and we saw like crazy performances without him. Like you go in the game against Seville, Sevilla last year where we played without him and Bale and the team just won and won 3 nothing. I think those moments have been more rare without him this season. And I think because we had been underperforming our expected goals for so long, it really showed. Um, because Benzema and Bale, well, Bale was injured for a long time in the season and Benzema wasn't scoring. And the odd Asensio and Isco goal wasn't really enough to compensate for it. So, yeah, if he's not scoring, it's a massive, uh, it's a massive crutch. Massive. Yeah. Huge. And if he, um, is he the biggest bandit of all time? This season, possibly he is. I would say in previous seasons, maybe not as much, but in this season, yes, definitely. Um, in this season where we brought over even like, we were kind of relying on Kaka, so like Ronaldo just took over and, and, and put the team on his back multiple occasions and, and was massive. He's in massive every year. This year might be, even at his age, it's it's unbelievable that he's still influencing the team. I think certainly if you take him out, it's... It's going to be tough to replace it. But the, the the thing to consider is the moment you take him out because he's your main goal scorer, you can't actually compensate it, in my opinion, with the players you have. You have to buy a goal scorer. Because, right. No, that's what I meant. Yeah. So, like, is it – I mean, it's, it's, it's literally just, like, if he is in the team versus not. First of all – uh, losing Ronaldo, regardless, is a huge nut. It's a huge. You can't replace it. Look, look, like look at this. You can't replace this. But it's a big difference between having him be a kind of black hole on the team and not contribute, versus not having him in the team and then going out and buying Neymar or Mbappe or someone and saying, okay, we're going to structure a new attack with these new players. But right. you have to have that other person because. You know, right now, Madrid is really relying on him for goals, which is why it's so bad when he's not scoring. Correct. You you can re- replace his offensive curation and um, ability to play, make, and sling key passes in the final third without him. You can't replace his goals. So the moment you he's gone, you have to you can't sign a left winger. You have to sign a goal scorer because that's what you're losing. So you have to sign, like like you said, a Neymar or like a Harry Kane even, 
um, someone who can just score buckets of goals because you just let's be clear he's the only goal scorer in the squad yeah 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 Yeah. uh so the second part of nick's question is uh basically talking about how hirona and manchester city are related um uh I would love for Madrid to pull a Manchester City and buy a small team in one of Europe's top five to seven leagues as a feeder team. Uh, what do you think of this? Seems like it's working extremely well for City and Castilla is okay for young players, but is it even close to get the job done for players that are close to Madrid ready? Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Um, I don't I don't think Manchester City owns Girona. Is that, am I wrong about that? They have a stake in, Gi- in Girona. That's fascinating. Um, I'm, I'm, my yeah. immediate thought, Keon, was that if you are the majority shareholder and your owner of another club, that it's possible that the clubs would be grouped together for uh, FFP considerations. But I don't really know how that works exactly in terms of like the ownership stuff. But I don't, lo- I don't love that. But you know, I, I understand why City is doing it. If the, if you have unlimited amount of money, it makes sense to do shit like this. And Madrid, you know, don't have as much money as City, but they, they do have a fucking shitload of money. So, yeah, I think um, it's not a hundred percent ownership, but it's it's quite a large stake, from what I remember. And um, there was there is what what you just said reminded me of there is some kind of conflict of interest uh, law where it's, I I can't remember exactly how it works, but um, at any rate. They do own a large share, and because of that, they can basically use players like Pablo Maffeo, uh, yeah, and and get them guaranteed playing time. And this is Which where is smart, yeah, it is. I think this is where um, I love the NBA G League system, right? Yeah. So, for example, and this is not unique to the Raptors, but the Raptors uh, own the Raptors nine hundred five, which is a G League affiliate. And they have a huge roster of players. And anyone who's not getting playing time, they just send down there. And that guarantees them playing at, at a high level consistently to keep them fresh. You kind of get it with Castilla, but you really absolutely don't because Castilla is in Segunda Bay. Not even Segunda, Segunda Bay. And the the level of play isn't great. And what it would help with, it's not necessarily younger Castilla players if Real Madrid did something like this. It would be for players like Odegaard, Valverde, who's not playing at all with Depor, uh, Mayoral, who did not play at all with Wolfsburg. And they can get them guaranteed playing time because at the end of the day, and I, I remember speaking to Chris Moore about this, who covers Depor, and he was talking about Valverde. He's like, look, Valverde is a really good, young, promising player, but guess what? Depor have no invested interest uh, or any reason to prioritize his development. Right. Because that's the they, point. They know they're going to lose him in a year. And that, that hurts Real Madrid. Because because teams basically, you think that they're going to get, oh, we get this player for a year. No, they're actually doing the bigger team a favor by bringing them on and playing them for developing them for a bigger team and losing them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like the idea. I, I we, Ketafe was kind of like unofficially that club for us back a few years ago. Um, yeah, we had a bunch of players on loan there, but we don't we don't do that anymore as much. But I like. The I mean, idea. Espanol worked. I think that Espanol is a natural fit for Real Madrid, actually, yes, <laughs> in terms of that to have a have a relationship with. And obviously, um, right, Asensio played there, but also because they're natural rivals of Barcelona, so like it it seems like you could make an ally. But, but like part of the problem with this is that I, when you get into situations like 
where you have teams with ownership interests and in, in other teams. I mean, obviously, Hirona probably won't ever play against Manchester City, but don't we have a, a situation where if Hirona and Manchester somehow... I mean, it's not like out of the realm of possibility that Hirona gets into the Champions League this year. It's unlikely, but it's not impossible, mm-hmm. right? And so if they are pay, uh, paired up against Manchester City, like, that's... That's no good, right? Like that's suddenly we're in a situation where you have one team that's an owner of the other team that are playing each other, and you have to call into a question the fairness of that match. Well, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what happens in that situation, or if if anything, maybe we're overthinking. Because I remember Castilla. Oh, overthinking it. Castilla actually played against Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey. I think it was in the eighties. And it's oh, it actually it's possible generally it's possible, um, but I don't think that um, it, there's anything that theoretically would be wrong with it if that happened. No, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's just really weird. It leaves some really weird scenario yeah. that you so would think unlikely, that, but possible. But also, you would think that FIFA would have an interest in in not promoting that kind of shit, just because like they really do. Have a pretty strict rule about that about anything you know that that calls into question the integrity of the game. Not because you know it's necessarily bad or wrong. For example, to gamble on sports, but but because if you if find out that you're gambling, then suddenly you you have fans questioning whether the result was just. Uh, and I think that could yeah. happen if you have two teams playing against each other owned by the same person. This is why I remember that. Um... There were concerns about conflict of interest when this initially this sale actually happened, but I don't remember what mm. came out of it. Yeah, I I think Madrid would be well served by doing what City is doing in another place, which is getting a team in the United States. Um, City owns New York City FC. You know, I think it's most of it uh, co-owns it with the Yankees, and um, yeah, so City has this really weird, like strange relationship with NYC FC, but. They've made it work. I mean, they brought back Jack Harrison, who they they kind of debuted in New York, and uh, he then immediately loaned him out. I mean, that's one way to do it. Yeah, um, possibly. I guess I guess the, the the level won't be as high as you like. That's it, the thing. Yeah. That's and that's why I think Nick is asking the question. It's just look, it's annoying. I don't like that this is happening. I don't like that when I'm playing when Madrid is playing Girona, they're really playing uh, Manchester City, Spain, but. You know, whatever. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I, I also love that Hirona is like, like a really cool club and they're doing well and whatever. Good for them. Good in on a way, them, you know? In a way, it's kind of good for La Liga, though, because, yeah. I mean, their their season is massively successful. And um, someone like Paolo Maffeo is <laughs> is a huge part of it. Good I mean, to have these people in the Liga, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a few others on loan from City. They're not as prominent, like people like Douglas Luiz, Alex Garcia, uh, and a couple others, I can't remember, but but the main one is definitely Maffeo. Yeah. Uh, Mark Reedy asks us, what are the odds of Ronaldo catching Messi in La Liga this year um, in terms of, I guess, the Pichichi thing? And also, uh, so what are the odds? Uh, I think it's very possible, Keon. Yeah, three goals is nothing. It's it's It, it could be done in a game. I mean, obviously, he just scored four. So, yeah. like... Yeah, I think it's very possible, and I also think that the team will really get behind him to do it. Um, we've seen that before in years that were down years for Madrid. The team did sort of rally to make sure that Ronaldo got you know that that trophy. So 
Um, all right, so the second part of Mark's question. Who do you play as a starting 11 against Juve? <laughs> I'm done guessing the starting 11 for this I am team. too. Yeah. I, we don't know. We, we also already have said m- many times like what like how we, you and I, might roll out a team that would be different from what Zidane is doing. But so far, in 2018, Zidane has showed very few tactical issues, in my opinion. So I think the, the main thing that we haven't seen, though, yet is because right now the, the go-to is 4-4-2. Right. Um, but that's also because we haven't had Modric, Kroos, Casemiro, all three of them start in a game for a long time and be healthy. And if those three are available, you can't really go with the four four two anymore. So does that mean BBC again? Yeah. Essentially, it, it comes down to availability. Yeah. Um, I just have no. I, I have nothing. Yeah. I have no idea, and I, I don't mean to like you know to to brush it off. I just. I can't tell you what what I would do, or no, I mean, but, I can tell you yeah. what I might do, but like. But also, to be clear, this question comes almost every week, and yeah. um, it's it's hard to predict, right? Because right. Zidane surprises us. Uh, all right, here's a good one. Um, Anthony Vasquez asks us if Ronaldo wins the Pichichi Trophy, the Champions League, and makes a deep run in the World Cup is enough to get him his sixth Ballon d'Or. I will say this, Anthony. I think historically these awards have overweighted. The World Cup. International success is incredibly important yeah. when it comes to the Ballon d'Or. So he could not he could not win the Pichichi or win the Pichichi, not win the Champions League. But if Portugal goes to the semifinals or even the final of the World Cup on the back of Ronaldo performing really well, then he probably is in the in with a real shout at the Ballon d'Or, even though he didn't have a great season in any other circumstance. I if if he checks off all three of those that Anthony points out, I think he wins it. Me too. Uh, um, and I think a whole bunch of people will come out and unless, say, it was on, "Unless Messi, hang on, unless Messi's Argentina wins the World Cup, right? That's that would yes. that would be a totally different thing yeah. too." Yes, good point. Um, but if if the 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 former happens and Messi's team doesn't do better, I think. Ronaldo will win it, and a bunch of people will come out and say he doesn't deserve it. I don't remember a t- a player so universally hated for being successful. Maybe yeah. it's because we ha- we didn't really have social media back back then when we you know. Got to be that. Yeah, maybe just because we didn't see it, but. I just, I mean, I mean, remember, I mean, you remember Figo? I mean, but that wasn't just for being good though. Like, he he had there were reasons they they hated him in Barcelona. That, like, but. No, I actually totally agree. I've been thinking a lot about like why people have such a hate, visceral hatred of this player, and like, I it kind of boggles my mind a little bit. Uh, if you like, just the the level of hatred, like, come damn Jesus! If you're in the in a forest by yourself and you whisper the word Ronaldo, somehow somewhere out of the earth, like a bunch of uh, coolies will pop up and say, "Messi, Messi, no Messi, Messi." <laughs> that's true that's so true like even like random people like will like make a tweet about ronaldo that can just immediately become like a huge fight it's not even like they'll just be like like someone with like 75 followers or whatever will just like say something about you know cristiano ronaldo and then like it comes into this huge thing about like fucking wanka all this stuff like i just don't get it man i don't I like i 
<laughs> that's a really good point though. Like, <laughs> these people hide in the woods and they hide in the ground waiting for the moment to pop their heads out and say not as good as Messi I put out a tweet today after Ronaldo scored his third goal and I just said there's only one goat and then not even a word of Ronaldo in that tweet even though it was obvious but the point is you couldn't even search Ronaldo to find it and still the replies were Kool-Aid's putting Messi pictures and I'm like, how do, there was you, a... how do you find this tweet? Do you just search goat and press refresh? Dude, they must follow you. That's, I mean, that's what I've never really understood. Like, why, if you're a fan of a, a, a rival team, you don't need to follow the journalist whose entire job is to cover your rival no, team. a lot like, of them actually don't follow me. This is the weird really? thing. Yeah. That's so weird. That's fucking really weird. I think maybe uh, they're bots who have to respond to the word goat or Ronaldo. <laughs> I, I mean, I sent you a, a thing talking about how uh, <laughs> how there are, there are actually many different species of goat. Yes, you did. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it from the managing Madrid account because I was flipping lying media. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that was really weird. Um, but I, you know, and and I made um, one point a while back about like uh, something that Messi did that I thought was negative and then just it was the same shit man like just uh, it became like this huge fight and like I just I don't know, it's just fucking insane I've never dealt with this stuff before on this level of hatred I must be what like if I'm really not but if you were like really keyed into like politics Twitter it's probably the same basic idea it's like as soon as you say something people are gonna fight with you but like it's awful yes this is the sad state of the internet um, I would rem- love to, I, for one day, I, I, I generally like to ignore these people, but I, for one day, I would just like to set aside and have every single person who tweets this stuff at us to just come to our face and just, and I want to like talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know they're not going to be nearly as vocal into my face. No, of course not. Of course not. That's the whole point. It's the internet. I mean, what you could do is just like spend one day actually just dunking on these people, but, and some people do that occasionally, but like. That's also a lot of your time that you're spending on these people, and that's just not yeah, worth it. Exactly. Well, and they have the advantage of being anonymous while we don't. Exactly. Well, yeah. yeah I yes, that's definitely true. Especially considering, um, I mean, you you especially are extremely visible. So like, people know exactly who you are and what you're working on. And yeah, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> uh, Ramin Nagy asks us, um, do you guys know if members have first access to tickets to the Champions League semifinal game if Real make it to, semi, to, mm-hmm. to the semis? Uh, I think, so Kian, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that if you're a socio, you do have first access. Yes. Uh, but I, I don't know if you mean if that's what you mean by members. If, you, if that's what you mean, then yes, I think so. You should just figure that out yourself. Um, but otherwise, no. Uh, and it's a little premature. <laughs> A little premature to make this question, but you know, feels feels like making me makes me want to knock on wood a little bit. I'm not I, even that superstitious, but like, I'm going to guess Ramin's situation. I think, I think maybe he's potentially able to make a trip to Madrid that time of year, and he's maybe thinking of becoming a member. I don't know, um, but the answer to the question is yes. You get a priority to the tickets. Um, and even big games, champ- even if it's a Champions League final, you get priority. Um, you get priority in away games. Um, so it doesn't even have to be in the burnabout necessarily. But um, obviously it's not a guarantee, but you do get prioritized. Uh, Blake Brown. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. All right. So this is the question we've been waiting all day. 
you know, we can we've, we can wait on this one. Let's just do Blake first. Blake Brown asks us, um, I know we as Real Madrid fans take for granted what Ronaldo does sometimes, but what a game today. Uh, I know I thought at the beginning of the season that he might be in the in decline, but he might take over the scoring title before it's over with. He never fails to surprise us. How much longer can he keep doing this? I know he says he wants to play for Real Madrid until he's 40. Playing like this, he just might. Uh, I mean, this is not so much of a question as like, yeah. I, we are we're both flabbergasted by how amazing he is like he rules this is incredible i think madrid should just roll this out as long as possible <laughs> you milk it as much as you can i guess i mean it, it completely is contradictory to what i've said about him in the past and and when to let go of him and when to to move on from his legacy but 40 is crazy i don't think he gets there um unless he really really takes a back seat and he's willing to do that i 40 is a crazy number but if there's anyone who can do it it's him yeah i mean that's the point like i think he here's what i tell you um uh blake i will say that i expect ronaldo to play until he's 40 i don't expect him to play until he's 40 at real madrid but yeah. i think he could be playing until he's 40 I actually don't think that's yeah, an insane thing, given the way he takes care of his body. Wasn't Romar? Well, how, long, how far did Romario play into his career? I, I, maybe it's not going to be something like that, where Romario just. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I have no idea what this what is going to happen because he's actually a freak of nature, and you know, one of the absolute best to ever set foot on on a pitch. Like this is. We we joke about it, but like he really is, you know, absolutely in that conversation of the greatest footballer of all time. And like he is incredible. Uh, okay. Um, I want to do two comp. Let's do these two on Benzema. Um, Jarazi dos Santos and Essa Hariri both asked us questions about Benzema, so I'm going to try to answer them together. Jarazi mm-hmm. um, dos Santos asks us, um, "Anyone else starting to feel sorry for Benzema? I know he hasn't played too well recently, but it tugs at my heartstrings when he walks off the pitch all sad after not scoring." Essa Hariri, one of your questions is, <laughs> "Do you think if Benz is wearing a number 19 shirt instead of number nine? Considered a playmaker, people would still criticize him. I think he plays great as a playmaker. All right, so yes, it bums me out. I don't like to see him sad, Jose. That makes me sad because he's such a happy, like, chill dude. And he's got the best social media presence of any Real Madrid player. Absolutely follow him. Uh, and, yeah, it bums me out because I feel like I know him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I'd be interested if uh, if he opened up to the media about stuff like how he feels about all this this whole ordeal um being whistled and stuff the way andre gomez did and i'd be curious to know if the Bernabeu would respond the same way the camp new responded to andre gomez um it'd just be interesting because if you compare the two benzema's far has been far far better in every sense of the world than uh, andre gomez has been for barca for example um and it just, be, it just I'd just be curious to know how, what the reaction would be if Benzema opened and said, "Look, this stuff really affects me mentally. It makes me sad uh, when I go home. It's hard to sleep at night and all this." I don't know if he actually feels that way. It seems to me he's tougher mentally than we um he we probably think he is because he's dealt well with it generally. The question about what would we consider him? Would he still be criticized if he was labeled as a playmaker and not a nine? Possibly, but. I think what people get irked about him in general is not his playmaking um, or his 
you know, perceived being a striker or whatever. I think it's the fact that he can he tends to miss his big chances and easier chances that, for example, someone like Ronaldo just just finishes, um, no questions asked. So I think yeah. those criticisms would probably still exist. I think one here's a here's a take that I have about Benzema. I think that he's going to be one of the people that in like thirty years, when we've done more digging and figured out a better, more comprehensive system of soccer analytics, that we're going to be able to look back at his career with those metrics and say, oh my God, this guy was way better than 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 the metrics at the time gave him credit for. Like there are a lot of people like that in baseball. There are people like that in basketball that have had these like kind of game changing, you know, post career renaissances in terms of the way people talk about it. I think he's going to be the same thing because I do think he's one of these players that actually makes everyone around him better when he plays the game. And we're going to be able to figure out why that is and be able to express it like in a stat, I think, and eventually, maybe not right away, but eventually we are, I think. And that, I think, will we'll come back and, and we'll be able to look back on his career and say he was crucial uh, in Madrid becoming this team that it became and without him it wouldn't have done that so i think i think 10 years even tops i think we the revisionist history with people is crazy because look i i don't know if you well we didn't really have social media uh well we did actually technically we did i I, maybe i'm thinking too far back but during raul's decline um, we definitely did i you know i would check forums and stuff and it was bad they, yeah. you know, the way people were treating Raul and criticizing him. And now, years later, after he's retired, you don't remember that part so much, right? You yeah. remember his legacy. And I, so I think once the recency bias gets, just fades a bit, I think we'll we'll zoom out and we'll look at Benzema's career and realize, you know, this guy actually contributed a lot. Yeah, dude, I agree. Um, all right, let's see. Uh Essa's other two questions. Um, uh, one is just like a historical one. Um, what is the worst ever standing for Madrid? In, excuse me, in La Liga, and and the worst ever standing in a year they won the Champions League. I uh, I can't answer the first one. I haven't done the research, but I bet that they finished mid table a couple times. I have. If yeah. You want to know? Yep. Uh, nineteen forty seven forty eight season. We finished eleventh. There you go. And that was that... a 14-team league, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> 11th in a 14-team league. Yeah. Very different from 11th right now. Um, yes. At worst ever standing in a year they won the Champions League, Keon, let me guess this one. My guess, if I remember correctly, the uh, there were two – the back-to-back, um, Septima and Octava mm-hmm. – um, were both years where Madrid did not have a good Liga campaign. And I don't remember which one was worse. But Actually, I, I think, think they were both equally bad. Um, oh, okay. No, they weren't equally bad. The worst ever was nine nine two thousand. We finished. Yeah, the fifth. octava. Yeah, right? we yeah. finished fifth, and that was the year. If we didn't win the Champions League, we wouldn't have qualified for Europe. The Champions League next season, we had to win it, and Por Zaragoza, who finished fourth, got dropped down to the UEFA Cup because they don't we... do that now. That's no, fast. they don't do that anymore. But back then. It was it was a thing. Zaragoza, so Zaragoza was really banking on Valencia to beat us in the final because they knew that if we won, they wouldn't get in the Champions League. That sucks for them. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, yeah, so that that I remember very vividly, and like it was it was actually a fascinating year for Madrid. But yeah, that ruled. Um, 
that that's like sort of the way it goes. And, you know, sometimes I remember when I was a kid, there was these things thinking like, yeah, well, there's always the Champions League if the, the Liga wasn't going too well. But we don't ever want to be in the place like we are right now. Um, OK, uh, last two questions. Um, the first one is a pretty long one from Shay. Uh, so Shay Katiri um, has a is basically giving you know the kind of pessimist take on this game which i think is fair and we didn't do maybe enough of it but he says this game was alarming we outscored our problems i know this is getting routine but bail not starting is on my last nerve zidane played a short midfield cross is tall but not good in the air against a very tall team which was problematic carvajal is the best right back in the world but he is not suited to man marks to on a set piece Casemiro would have changed a lot of things defensively. I don't get why a team which was the deadliest in the world in the air has lost several to aerial has lost its aerial deadliness and instead is conceding so many goals in the air. Um, on a positive note, um, how did in the uh, how did the world manage to not discover Navas until he was 27? It is ridiculous that we paid only 10 million for him. Uh, I'm out of words about Cristiano. He's God. Um, we would have lost the game without Kaylor and Cristiano. Um, so, okay. <laughs> and you'd be surprised if he didn't win Pichichi. Okay, so I don't have much to add. This is a, a bunch of good points, but I didn't see any real questions here. So uh, I agree with all of this stuff, right? I mean, it is uh, upsetting. And I think Shea does bring up a really good point, Kian, that we didn't really get into. But it's true that Girona that is actually quite tall. Um, that's, a, that's a big team. And Madrid did not roll, up, roll out a very big lineup. Uh, yeah, there's a lot here. Um, <laughs> I, so I think outscoring our problems, if you depending on how you look at it, actually can be a good thing because when you're because Real Madrid is kind of this is their identity, be it good or bad, is outscoring their opponents into oblivion. And this is how we did like towards the tail end of last season, um, the Super Cup was incredible and. You know, we've written columns about this. It's like our press was great, uh, our defense was generally good, and when we when when it wasn't, we would outscore opponents anyway. And that was problems that Dan would say, uh, right or wrong, after the press conferences during like every loss this season, he would say, "Look, the tactics were fine, but we're not finishing our chances." And it's true and not true. It's it's not true because there's a lot of problems apart from finishing. It's true because if Real Madrid meets its expected goals, it still wins those games and, and masks all the problems. And basically, 2018 has been of that in that mold of look, we're just blowing our expected goals out of the water. So that's fine. Yeah. I think maybe we can just quickly go through every sentence and just and answer really quickly. Bale didn't start because him and Modric were still coming back from injury. It's true, though, that he hasn't started in previous big games, even though he was 100% healthy. So I'm with you, Shay. I think the weird thing is it's if Zidane prefers the 4-4-2 or Vasquez and Asensio on the flanks, it's not like Bale can't play exactly how Vasquez and Asensio are playing in that same kind of style. So it's not like Zidane would have to shuffle the scheme in order to do that. So I'm with you. Um, I mean, what can you do against, you know, for the set-piece thing? Because... We can say why was Carvajal the one marking Stuani. Um, certain instances, like for example, the second goal conceded, Carvajal just kind of happened to be there on Stuani. And sometimes you just can't control yeah. what ha- unfolds naturally, right? I'm sure we would have liked to have Varane on him instead. But the reality is was Varane really, without Casemiro, was kind of the only guy who could 
clear things consistently in this game, given our short lineup, as Shay pointed out. Was there anything yeah. else to address? Did I, I'm just kind of rambling now. Um, no, I agree with all that. I um, The world didn't discover Kaler until he was 27. I I mean, anyone who followed Spanish football knew about him because Levante went from, as soon as, if you notice, as soon as he left, Levante went from being actually an incredibly solid defensive team to uh, a disaster. And that that Levante side, I mean, you one remembers watching him uh, I do at least and thinking, man, this kid is or this guy, right? It was obviously not a kid, but like this guy's really good. He was on Levante a couple years before the World Cup, which is was his real coming out party where he literally carried that just not great Costa Rica team to the uh, uh, quarterfinals, right? Or uh, uh, yeah, I think so to the knockout rounds at least mm-hmm. by just providing absolute power performances, just, you know, fucking, you know, uh, uh, epic poems that's <laughs> the keeper just games where he would stop 37 shots and a penalty like it was incredible watching that world cup so and yeah. he's been basically that same guy for madrid he's been he's been amazing this year can't can't complain yeah. just nice to see him bounce back after his injury uh a, a below average season last season this year has been great yeah all right last question um our man Chris McCormick uh, asked us to tell to talk about our favorite podcast that we've recorded and our least favorite podcast that we've recorded. So, Keon, at the beginning of the show, or before we started recording, you were telling me that you would think about what your least favorite one is. So, do you want to lead with that? Yeah, I. <clears throat> first of all, this is a really this may this is one of the tougher questions we received because it's hard to pinpoint what was a good podcast, what was a bad podcast, but. Um, <laughs> Generally, I guess some of the most memorable ones in terms of good podcasts were there. I remember after the the game against Bayern in the Champions League at home, the second leg, where it was one of the most nerve wracking uh, games I've witnessed in a while because it was in extra time. You know, our hearts were all quenched, just trying to trying to breathe during that whole game. Um, and we won and, and the podcast itself felt like a relief. Like it was like, oh, you just kind of let it all out. Yeah. You got everything you had on your mind out. You're happy. You're relieved. That one stuck out for me. And obviously the, the, the duo decima one, the final was, was obviously great. Ones that I kind of, I kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. And then that was not, a really fun show. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. And not because ones that left a sour taste on my mouth, not because the podcast itself was bad, but because in the beginning of the season, when things weren't going well, we got a lot of um, negative questions and nasty comments directed at us as if like it was like our fault that, you know, Benzema wasn't playing well or, right. you know, Bale was getting injured or, or whatever. And it was like, and it's like, if you said, if you said something in favor of someone, a player that player uh, fans don't like, They've already made up their mind about what your narrative is, right? And so we had to deal with a lot. So in a way, I feel bad for um, podcasts of teams like Arsenal who have to do like an Arsenal podcast every week. I'm sure they exist. And what they probably have to deal with given the season that they go through, we have it good. Like Real Madrid generally, we have more to cheer about than be upset about. But still, still. Um, I feel like we're just kind of spoiled, <laughs> and that yeah. those are the podcasts that that I don't enjoy as much as dealing with that kind of shit. 
Yep. I agree with that. Um, and it's funny because like one of the, my first instinct was like, oh, it was really unpleasant to like record the show. Like especially that, that one um, after Madrid coughed up that goal to Messi in minute 90 or whatever um, in the Bernabeu last season. That was I mean, but the thing is that the podcast actually wasn't that unpleasant. It was actually really nice and cathartic and listening to other people complain is and talking th- talking it through is really nice. It actually you're totally right, Kian. The ones that have been unpleasant are when we know that and when we're getting uh, angry reaction from people on social media who are attacking us as if um, it's just kind of like the unpleasant extension of the people that send us Facebook messages to tell uh, us to start Gareth Bale in the next game. Uh, it's like we have no control over how this team plays and it sucks when people get so angry at us and they send us these really hateful messages. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know what? That's a, I guess, and that's sort of the media world, right? And we're the flip side of like getting, you know, actually getting, like getting paid to do this is awesome. And uh, getting to interact with all these, all you wonderful people who are so nice and, and sweet with us and, and, and have been following us forever is really, is a huge blessing in our lives. Right. But you know, that's the flip side of that, which is that, like, as we get more people following and listening to what we're saying, people are going to get pissed off. And, like, that's – but those, yeah, those – I mean, I think there is the one uh, that the, – the show we recorded, I think, right after the Bethys game earlier this season, it was quite negative in the comments. And, I, I mean, like, we were telling people all year, like, it's expected goals. Like, we're going to even out eventually and, like – we didn't even out in time, but you are seeing Madrid kind of regressing to the mean with their expected goals. And it just sucked that that we we got into those places. I think anyways, I don't have any specific one that was very unpleasant. I will say shout out um, Josh Zeitlin, our original my original co-host, one of my favorite podcasts I ever recorded. It's uh, it was a video podcast after Real Madrid beat Bayern Munich. Where Josh and I polished off a six pack of Heineken while we were like while we were recording a video show, uh, because Heineken had sent us to an event where we got to speak with Morientes. That was the year of the Decima, uh, so that was a fun ass show. But I gotta tell you, I think um, a lot of shows where we've gotten to like vent and gripe together about how like the t- the things that we didn't want to happen happened, actually are really memorable and good in my th- in my head. Mm-hmm. One of um... I guess one of the fun, more fun podcasts I've had in a while was uh, uh, two or three weeks ago on the Churros de Tacticas podcast. I recorded one with David Garrido and uh, Diego Lorin, and there was some fun shit talking and banter on that podcast, and it was it was just kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I listen like it's you know what's funny is that all of a sudden and it kind of came out of nowhere because no one would have foresaw it last season or even like beginning of the season where when Isco was unbelievable against Italy in the in the qualifiers Isco has unfortunately become like the Benzema now um in terms of just a crazy polarizing figure that people either love or hate and it's like one or the other and it's extreme and it's like um Om, Om, I think you were off that night Om and I I I don't remember which game it was after in particular we spent a whole pod outlaying why Isco is a problem in in the diamond and then we had people uh basically say why do you hate isco and all this and and we you know we really have the facts we brought up examples we brought stats we brought up the eye test stuff and, and why 
And then the next podcast, I think we said something positive about Isco, and then people were like, "Why do you defend Isco?" And oh it's, my god! And it's like you can't. You're either one or the other. And there's for for people, it's just like inconceivable that you might be in between an objective and looking at it factually from all different angles. God forbid that people <laughs> might think you do this as an analyst. It's either you hate or love. And somehow in the same podcast, you're you're both depending on what you've already made up your mind that we are. Uh, and I think those podcasts, I want to sit down with these people and just just actually s- listen to them and see how they would debate in real life. Because it's like they say one line and then they, they run off. And it's, it's like they're trying to poke the bear or something. Yeah. Um, and those podcasts, I shouldn't, I really shouldn't like uh, think about it so much. But those comments drive me nuts for that reason because I feel like people just have no idea what the context is. They don't really follow your work. They hear something you say and they made up their mind. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry, Christopher McCormick, you just opened up uh, a whole Pandora's box. It's a little bit of, no, it's a little bit of free therapy for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> like, I needed to get that off my chest. <laughs> it's been burning me up. Uh, that's that's funny. That's um, my, I think my, something that I really don't like is, is um, uh, it's less like people just uh, importing their biases onto me and being like anyone who, like that's super annoying but like i i remember that i think maybe i got, just got um uh i got immune to that because of the kaka saga when was the first real controversy that we had on mm-hmm. the site and people were just absolutely fucking vulgar and like anyways i uh, and uh, i think what, what bothers me a little bit um more is people doing more of the second thing that you said which is like people who really don't follow us uh, coming in is kind of saying negative stuff to us who don't have any idea about what they're talking about, and that 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 fucking annoys me. That yeah, that that sucks. This is good. <laughs> we needed a bit of therapy. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's basically your show for this week. We've gone a little over, but that's cool. It's fun. We're having a fun time. Um, Madrid won, scored six goals today. So. Yeah. We get a we get we get a good fun fun show. Um so do we want to do shout outs? Let's do it. Um patreon.com slash managing madrid if you would like to support the show. Um a dollar a month is a minimum. You get access to extra bonus content, midweek content, champions league post game shows, other stuff. Um and you get different rewards based on how much you pledge. One of your rewards, if you pledge ten dollars or more, is that you get a specific shout out to this podcast. So shout out to you, I think, 340 now patrons, which is amazing. Shout out to these patrons specifically. Nick DeStefane, Frederick Sundros, Leon Stavernakis, Bjorn Salvador, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Sergio Monleon, Red Bat, Anthony Vasquez, Yahya Ibrahim, Nick Robero, Eric Rogers, Sheikh Hatiri, Ian Marley, Dan Berthy, Jahan Watson, Anton Hackberg, Jimmy Obeyed, Daniel Smith, Solomon Ortiz, and Jeanette. Thank you. MVPs. Uh, yeah, so there, uh, I don't know, Kian, do you have anything you want to plug that's coming up? <clears throat> uh, what's today, Sunday? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm going to write something about probably a tactical preview against UVA sometime this week. Um, Diego and I will be doing True to Tacticas podcast Monday. Um, we'll actually be doing more podcasts because uh, I'm sure you have Let's Fix Football, but Wednesday, you and I will probably be doing a patron podcast. Thursday, um, 
I'm going to do two-part podcasts, one part one with Jamie Kemp, who covers Las Palmas, to preview the Las Palmas game on next weekend. And also, Om um, might come on the show on a part two to talk about his Real Madrid all-time 11. Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw that. That's an interesting. He made some interesting choices, my man. He did. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we have uh, Les Hoops football. We were late coming out with it this week because we wanted to try to get um, – a guest to come talk about um, what went down in uh, Iran, where they arrested a group of women at the Tehran Derby. Um, I we're still like ironing that out. I'm really excited if we can if we can work that in. But um, we will still do a show. It'll be funny and all that stuff. I'm sure we'll talk about Sergio Ramos's suits and and all the other funny stuff that's been nice. going on. So uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so until uh, Wednesday then, Kian, we'll do a patron show then. Oh, again, one dollar. It's all you need, one dollar. Um, and uh, yeah, so until then, man, uh, a la madre. A la madre. You're looking for meaning and purpose in your work. Hello? We all are. Every year, Harvard Business School Executive Education helps executives like you reevaluate goals and develop both personally and professionally to turn their careers into their callings. Don't be different. Be changed. Go. Start by going to hbs.me slash go. That's hbs.me slash go. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus 30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate.